This episode was made possible by the generous support of listeners like you. For more information, please visit patreon.com slash author Chris Lester. I strive to make this podcast a safe and inclusive place for my listeners. If I've missed any content warnings, please let me know. Content warnings for this episode include strong language, mature themes, allusions to bondage play, and many abusive or toxic cultural values, including casual ableism, patriarchy, heteronormativity, casual sexism, cissexism, gender essentialism, forced breeding, and male control over the sexual behavior of others. The views expressed by the characters do not reflect the views of the author. You're listening to The Raven and the Writing Desk, the weekly podcast about the writings of Chris Lester and Liminal Corvid Press. This is episode 296. Greetings, Metamorphs! Welcome to The Raven and the Writing Desk. I'm your host, Chris Lester. You can learn more about me and my work at chrislester.org and metamorphcity.com. This is the show where I share my fresh new fiction with you and tell you all the latest on my writing endeavors. So let's get right to it. Here is this week's story. Today I'm bringing you Chapter 37 of my Metamore City novel, Making the Cut. If you're new to the show, go back to Episode 259 to hear this story from the beginning. The following recap will contain spoilers. In last week's episode, the newly rescued Daniel was taken back to the nest, the summer cell's apartment. Rebecca took him to the spare bedroom and put him to bed. Daniel was terrified that Danny would seize control of their body again during the night, but Rebecca promised to stay with him until morning. If control is really determined by who wants it more, she reasons, then that should be enough to keep Daniel there with her. Meanwhile, Brian, Fiona, and Sasha discussed what to do about Daniel, Danny, and Jared. Right now, they just don't know enough about what Jared did to Danny, including whether it's permanent and if there's a way to block it. They decided to take Daniel to the wizard Artax, who has been involved in the situation from the beginning, and first raised the possibility that Danny's soul had changed. Daniel's predicament has already inspired Artax to start researching soul lore, so if anybody can help him, it will probably be the old man. One situation that the Summer Cell decided not to get involved with is Miriam's hunt for their old mentor, Victor Hincavos. While working as an instructor at Westfall Academy, Victor groomed one of his pupils, Abby Preston, a telepathic prodigy whom Victor himself had brought into the collective after the deaths of her parents. When Victor decided to quit participation in the collective, he took Abby with him. In addition to the moral scandal of a teacher fostering an intimate relationship with a student, Victor's ploy was also a significant practical loss for the collective, since he stole away the Metamore Hive's most promising new talent. While all the members of the Summer Cell were worried about the girl, Brian and Fiona pointed out that Victor is far too dangerous for them to get involved in hunting him down. As Callie told them after the mission to Viscount, if you take something away from him, Victor's not going to forget it. 
Sasha was torn, wanting to do something to help Miriam get Abby to safety, but she reluctantly agreed to not get involved. As the summer cell headed to bed for the night, one of Miriam's agents was closing in on Victor and Abby's trail. Egan Hunter, a powerful telepath and psyop, set up surveillance on a first-level building where the fugitives were supposed to be staying. When he went to his assigned hotel room, though, he discovered that Victor had led him into a trap. Worse, Victor was now immune to Egan's telepathic powers, a result of the cybernetic mesh that has been built into his brain by the vampire's new nanotech virus. Pinning Egan down in a lead-lined bathroom, Victor demanded to know who in the Hive leadership had sent him, and who else was involved in the hunt. Egan was defiant, since he knew that Victor was just going to kill him anyway. But as Victor calmly pointed out, Egan should really be asking himself how he wants to die. As Victor pulled out a combat knife and touched it to Egan's skin, it was clear that he would be satisfying Victor's curiosity, in one way or another. Making the Cut A Novel of Metamore City Written in Red by Chris Lester. Chapter 37 Saturday, June 22nd Daniel awoke feeling oddly constricted. His sleep-fuzzed brain struggled to remember why this would be, until he opened his eyes and looked down at himself. His body had changed back to its usual masculine shape, which didn't go well with the woman's jeans he was currently crammed into. The baby doll t-shirt Danny had been wearing wasn't much better. Wincing, Daniel peeled off the ill-fitting clothes, then lay back on the bed, gazing up at the ceiling. He hoped that Sasha had brought something from the condo that would still fit him. Brian's clothes wouldn't come close to fitting right. Rebecca stirred beside him, mumbling. He looked over at her and smiled. Nestling in close beside her, he brushed the hair away from her neck and kissed it gently. You stayed, he said. She turned over onto her back to face him. His heart swelled at the sight of those sleepy, love-filled eyes looking at him again. How many times had he woken her up and seen that look? Course I did, dummy, she said, then yawned. I said I would, didn't I? I guess you did. He leaned in to kiss her lips. She responded, but then broke off the kiss a second later and turned away, her expression troubled. Daniel immediately felt guilty. I'm sorry, he said. Rebecca nodded distractedly, saying nothing. Her hand strayed down to her pregnant belly. Daniel could sense the unborn girl waking up as her mother touched her mind. Brian's girl. Daniel turned and swung his legs over the opposite side of the bed, putting his head in his hands. I guess we can't just stay here and hope our problems won't find us. Never works, Rebecca agreed morosely. Got anything for me to wear? She nodded. Sasha was supposed to get some stuff. Help me get up and I'll go look for it. 
He came around to her side of the bed and took her hand, bracing her as she pulled herself up. As their skin touched, he felt Becca's own conflicted desires and the huge amount of self-control she was using to push down her longing for Daniel. She held thoughts of her love for Brian, Fiona, and Sasha in her mind, cycling through them in an endless litany to keep her mind off of Daniel's naked body. He caught her eyes for a moment. Both of them blushed, but neither of them said anything. Rebecca left and came back with a pile of clothes, a bathrobe, and a towel. She kept her eyes averted as he put on the robe and went to the bathroom to shower. When he came out, twenty minutes later, Becca was sitting at the kitchen table with Fiona and Brian, doodling on her napkin while she stared at the remains of her breakfast. Sasha stood behind the kitchen counter, next to a plate with two eggs over medium, two slices of whole wheat toast, and a side of extra crispy bacon. The little blonde teep forced a smile. Did I get it right? she asked. Read my mind, Daniel said, giving her a smile that felt equally fake. Thanks, Sasha. She nodded. Juice is on the table, coffee's brewing. You can take my seat. Daniel took the plate and sat down between Rebecca and Fiona. He poured a glass of orange juice, took a sip, set it down again. He looked up. Fiona, Brian, and Sasha were all looking at him. Fee was as unreadable as ever, and Sash looked like she'd rather be anywhere else right now. But it was Brian's eyes that Daniel had the hardest time meeting. Not because Brian was angry, but because he wasn't. Five years in MID had brought out a side of Brian that Daniel never would have expected in their high school days. His experiences had turned Brian into a leader and a warrior, one who was harder and stronger than anyone could have imagined. That was the person Daniel had expected to find waiting for him at the kitchen table. But when he looked up at Brian now, he saw the kind, geeky friend who had cheered at all his games, helped him get through calculus, and envied the way the girls drooled over Daniel's perfect body. He saw the friend who had wanted what Daniel had, without resenting him for having it. The friend who had, eventually, gotten all of the things that Daniel had even Daniel's girl. Daniel looked into his friend's eyes and saw pity for what he had become, and guilt that he had benefited at Daniel's expense. Brian's thoughts were guarded, but his eyes pleaded for understanding. It was as if he were saying, I didn't ask for things to be this way. Please don't hate me for loving the one you weren't allowed to keep. And there was something else in those eyes, too. The fear that Daniel had come to take back what Brian had. The fear that maybe Rebecca had really been Daniel's, and only Daniel's, all along. Daniel sighed and looked down at his plate. Look, I'm sorry I got you guys wrapped up in my problems. I... I thought that I could deal with this myself. That I could find a way to get my life together and actually make it into something I could live with but everything I've tried to do just made things worse. He looked up at Fiona. You're suspicious of me, Fee. You probably think I'm trying to wiggle myself into your lives and convince Rebecca to run away with me. A muscle tightened in Fiona's jaw, but she said nothing. You have every right to be suspicious, Daniel said. And the truth is, 
It wasn't all that long ago that I thought about trying to do something just like that. He wanted to look away from those cool, green eyes, to hang his head and stare at his plate. But Fiona had been his teammate once, the solid rock that he and the rest of his friends had always looked to for strength and perspective. He owed her this. It was selfish and wrong. And more than that, it was stupid. Because I understand now that she would never leave this cell. This family. He turned to Brian and Sasha, hoping they could see the truth in his words. She really does love you. She loves all of you. Rebecca looked up, her cheeks burning. Yeah, I do, she said, raising her voice as if to remind them that she was still here. They turned to look at her, and she fidgeted. The thing is, I really love Daniel, too. She gave them a half-hearted smile. It's not an either-or kind of thing, you know? It's not like I can't love you, Sash, and still love Brian. Or you, Fee. She shrugged. Same thing with Daniel. I love you all, but it's... It's different with each of you. You guys get that, right? Of course we do, Fiona said, her voice surprisingly gentle. The question was whether Daniel understood it. She looked back at him, and he saw a glimmer of respect in her eyes. Which I believe you do. He nodded soberly. I do. I hope you'll forgive me for thinking otherwise before. He turned to Rebecca and touched her hand. And I hope you'll forgive me for treating you like a prize to be won. Rebecca smiled a little and clasped his hand. Her forgiveness would have been evident in her eyes, even if he couldn't feel it in her emotions. He turned back to Fiona, and she gave one small nod. A thought struck him, and he let out a choked laugh. (laughs) All this time I was jealous of what you guys had together, and you're the ones who end up saving my ass. He looked at each of them in turn, tears welling up suddenly in his eyes. Brian reached across the table to him, and Daniel took the offered hand, gripping it tightly. That's what friends are supposed to do, Brian said. We take care of our own. And if the whole situation with Josephine has taught us anything, it's that sometimes taking care of your own means that you go out on a limb to help the little guy. Of course, Sasha said dryly. At 180-something, you're sort of pushing the definition of little. They all laughed, except for Fiona, who closed her eyes and smirked, and Daniel felt the tension break at last. He grinned up at Sasha, who smiled back and nodded, as if to say, You're welcome. He felt a pang of regret that he'd ever let himself grow apart from these friends, the ones who had gone to the wall for him when no one else would. Anyway, Brian said, As soon as Becca realized what Jared was capable of, this whole thing got bigger than just you and Danny. Daniel grimaced. Yeah, part of me really wants to know what that's about, and part of me is afraid to find out. He looked at the clock on the stove. It was already after eleven. Not that I have a lot of choice. My timeshare on this body is going to expire in about two hours. He looked up at Brian. I think you may have to tie me up. I don't suppose you've got any rope around here? Maybe some handcuffs? 
Brian exchanged a look with Fiona, his face turning scarlet. Fiona sat back in her chair, her Sathmoran eyes twinkling with amusement. Daniel felt his face grow hot, and he was glad his dark skin didn't show his embarrassment as easily as Brian's. On second thought, forget I asked. We've got a better idea anyway, Sasha said, clearly fighting to keep the laughter out of her voice. We're going to take you back to Artax and see if he can get to the bottom of this. Maybe he can undo whatever it is that Jared did to Danny, or cook up some kind of shield for it. Daniel nodded. I don't know what he'll be able to do now that he couldn't do before, but yeah, let's give it a try. Maybe he's figured something out in the last few weeks. I certainly hope so, Fiona said. She smirked. Because if I have to use my toys to restrain Danny, you are going to have to replace them. Daniel helped Brian clean up after breakfast, while the girls hit the showers together. He found it comforting to be able to do something practical at the nest. He washed the dishes, and Brian dried them, and for a while it was almost as if he belonged there. All the same, he was not surprised when Brian broke the companionable silence. Hey, Daniel, can I talk to you about something? Daniel took a moment to scrub an imaginary spot off the plate he was holding. Sure, what's up? Brian responded so quickly that Daniel was sure he'd rehearsed this conversation several times before bringing it up. I want to thank you for your honesty earlier, when you said that you'd thought about trying to win Rebecca away from us. Daniel just nodded, and he continued. That took guts, man, and I want you to know that I do forgive you. Daniel rinsed off the plate and handed it to him. Thanks, but I sense a butt coming. Brian smiled humorlessly. We all know that Rebecca wants to find a way to renew her relationship with you. It's no secret what you two mean to each other, and I don't begrudge you that. But breeding cells aren't just about sex or romance, Dee. We put this family together for the purpose of raising children. So we need to make sure that whatever we're doing is providing the best environment for our children that we can manage. Daniel nodded turning to look Brian in the eyes. I can accept that. I don't have any problem with helping to raise your kids, Bri. I'm willing to commit to this family, if you'd have me. I believe you, Brian said. But it's not just you we have to think about, either. It's the whole group dynamic. I did some reading on this last night, D. There have been a few larger breeding cells in the past that had more than one man in them, but it rarely works well in the long run. He shook his head. Blame it on our instincts. Women are natural community builders, but men are just too competitive by nature to live with potential rivals. He said the words without anger, as matter-of-factly as one could say such a thing. But there it was, just the same. Sure, we'll build our little harems, and we've got no problem with it if the women have something going between them on the side, Daniel thought. But bring another cock into the mix, and things get ugly. Gods were such hypocrites. Of course, Daniel had a counter-argument for this. He knew it was probably just going to make the conversation even more awkward, but he had to say it anyway. I get that, Bry. But you know... He looked down at the sink full of dishes again. I'm only half male now. 
Theoretically, I wouldn't have to be a rival. Brian sighed. He'd seen the topic coming, and now it sat there between them, like a dead fish on the counter. Could you fuck one of your best friends if he were a woman? There might be more uncomfortable topics to bring up between guys, but Daniel couldn't think of any at the moment. Okay, theoretically, yes, you're right, Brian said. But that's a big step to take, Daniel, for you and for us. And to be honest, I don't think you're in a position to be making offers that Danny's going to have to keep. He pointed a finger at Daniel's head. You are literally double-minded, bro. And last I checked, you and your sister aren't exactly getting along. Daniel lowered his head, his cheeks burning. I understand. If you want me to leave, I'll leave. I'm not telling you to leave, Brian said reasonably. I'm not telling you to stay, either. All I'm saying is that you want us to turn our family into the testbed for a very weird social experiment— and if we're going to give this a try, there are certain things that we expect of you first. There's the leader I was looking for earlier, Daniel thought. Such as? Three main things. First off, you've got to get this conflict resolved between you and Danny. She tried to smother you, Dee. Sorry, but that doesn't fill me with a lot of confidence. Show me that you can live peacefully with yourself before you ask me to put my family into the middle of it. Daniel could accept that. Else, if he and Danny couldn't get along, he was going to have a lot bigger problems to worry about. Fair enough. What else? Brian held up two fingers. Openness. You've got walls around a lot of things inside you right now. Your honesty about wanting to take Rebecca away was a good start, but we can tell that there are other things inside you that you aren't letting us see. Even I can see it, and I'm nowhere near the strongest teep in this cell. He spread his hands. Now maybe it's because of guilt, or embarrassment, or just your instincts kicking in, but those walls are going to interfere with the gestalts that we depend on to keep this family united. Daniel smiled nervously, as he tried to suppress any thoughts about his involvement with Victor, or the deaths of Dell and Trace. What? You're going to tell me that you guys don't keep anything private? I've seen Fiona's walls, Brian. You could hold back the sea of stars with them. Brian's expression turned sad. Yes, and we've been learning the hard way what happens when you let secrets fester. He shrugged. We'll give you time to deal with whatever it is, just like we are with Fiona. But you need to commit to the process, okay? to actually deal with this stuff instead of suppressing it. Daniel wondered how he could ever trust them enough to open up about everything he'd done, but he nodded anyway. He'd deal with it later. Fine. What's number three? Brian leaned back against the counter. Once you've got things sorted out with Danny, if you both still want to try this, then you come live with us for a... let's call it a probationary period. You live like a member of the family. You join the gestalts, help with the chores, pool your food budget with ours, get up in the middle of the night to tend the baby. He crossed his arms. But you don't have sex with Rebecca. Not until Sasha and Fiona and I are okay with it. Daniel frowned, putting his hands on his hips. And how long will that be? He asked, quietly. Brian's posture softened. 
Only until we're convinced that the family matters to you as much as she does. Look, you know us, Dee. I'm not going to dangle Becca out in front of you like a carrot on a string. But you don't build a tower without building the foundation first. And it's the same with a marriage. Even a group marriage like this one. He put a hand on Daniel's shoulder and squeezed it tightly. Building trust takes time, you know. Daniel sighed and nodded. Yeah, I guess I do. All right, Brian, you've got a deal. He gave his friend a wan smile. Thanks for giving it to me straight. Brian smiled back and opened his arms, offering a hug. Daniel accepted it and actually felt a little better afterwards. At least now he knew where he stood. A voice came from the hallway behind them. Observe the distinctive bonding ritual between the two males, Sasha said, speaking with the hushed tones of a nature documentary. This important behavior is usually practiced in secret, away from the eyes of females, but here our photographer was lucky enough to catch it on film. Note how the male's dominant arm is kept level with the ground during the embrace, while the two manly thumps on the back serve to convey the ancient message, I love you, man, but not in that way. Rebecca giggled. Damned straight, Daniel said, turning around to give Sasha a lopsided grin. Her skin had that bright pink color that pale-skinned folks got when they lingered in the shower too long. Rebecca just looked as radiant as ever. Both of them had their purses and looked dressed to leave. Yes, you are, Sasha said, grinning wickedly back at him. But don't worry, we can cure that now. Daniel blushed, and Sasha held up her keys. Ready to go? As ready as I'll ever be. Let's go see the wizard. And that's the end of Chapter 37. Come back next time, when Abby Preston has some news for Victor, and Daniel, Rebecca, and Sasha make a bargain with a wizard. Rochelle Goodrich said, What I've learned about writing is that sometimes less is more, while often more is grander. And both are true. So let's check in on what I've created this week. Here's the weekly writing report. This update covers the week of July 31st through August 6th. This week I put writing on hold in order to focus on the audiobook for making the cut. With Angelica and Vivian already at work recording the Honor Bound series, I need to finish up making the cut so I can focus on producing those books. So for the months of August and September, I'm going to record as often as I can, mostly on the weekends, and then do the editing during the week when I would normally be writing. My goal is to get the entire book recorded and edited by the end of September. Looking back on the month of July, I wrote a total of 10,000 words in 18 days, averaging 556 words per day. That ranks 55th out of the 75 months since I started this podcast. Compared to June, my word count decreased by 11%, and my writing time decreased by 34%. And now, the feedback. Wonko the Sane writes, Hello, Chris. 
I found you late last month while working through Nobilis's backlog, and about a month after my wife and I had a miscarriage. I mention this only to say that the graveyard scene at the end of Troubled Minds kicked my ass, like grown-ass man openly sobbing on a city bus. Not only was it a brilliant piece of writing, but it made me come to grips with the fact that I had compartmentalized the trauma to be strong for my wife, and I had just left it to fester. You gave me the chance to work through that for myself, and I just want to say thank you. You never know the effect you might have on a stranger, no? So thank you. Thank you very much for sharing that, Wonko. I was weeping as I wrote that scene, so I'm very glad that those emotions came through so powerfully for someone else. Kudos to you as well, for recognizing the work that you needed to do in order to heal. I send my best wishes for both you and your wife. If you'd like to share your thoughts about the show, send your feedback in text or audio to metamorecityfeedback at gmail.com. To leave a voicemail, dial area code 641-715-3900, then enter extension 255082, followed by the pound sign. My Facebook is facebook.com slash author Chris Lester. The fan group is fans of Metamore City on Facebook, and our Discord server is Metamore City. I'm there pretty often, so come say hi. If you like this show, please consider leaving a review at Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or Podchaser.com. It really helps people find the show. That's all for this week. I'll be back next time with more fresh new fiction. Until then, keep it on the bright side. This is Chris Lester, signing out. The contents of this podcast are copyright 2021 by Chris Lester and Liminal Corvid Press. The show is released under a Creative Commons, Attribution, Non-Commercial, No Derivatives license. So don't change it, don't sell it, but feel free to share it all you like. For more information about this license, please visit creativecommons.org.